Okay, hello and welcome everyone. This is Ben Chiriboga coming to you with another This Legal Life. If this is the first time you are signing in, welcome. We are excited to have you. This Legal Life is a podcast where we go into uh, relationships uh, and everything in between within the legal sector. I am very, very excited to be sitting down again uh, for part two. Definitely totally different topic with Rachel Shield Williams. Rachel, welcome back to the This Legal Life podcast. And thank you so much for having me back. I'm very excited to be here. Um, for those of you who are listening who I haven't met yet, um, I'm a director of knowledge management at Sidley Austin. And Sidley is an international AMLAW um, top 10 firm. Um, and I've had the privilege of working with the firm in a variety of capacities um, over the last 14 years. Yes, absolutely. So um, I am really looking forward to this conversation. I was saying it's completely opposite. So last time you and I were speaking, we were thinking we were speaking about LMA. We had just gone back uh, from uh, the conference and we were talking about how important community is um, and the relationships that you that you get to foster within uh, the LMA community. Today, we're still talking about relationships, but in a completely different capacity, which is relationship data and the importance of relationship data and even relationship intelligence uh, for firms. So um, in that capacity, why don't you maybe tell a little bit, you, you've worked in a variety of different capacities. And today at Sidley, you are the Director of Knowledge Management Enablement and Insights. Um, great title. You want to unpack <laughs> that a little bit? And then how does that cross with this idea of relationship data? And we'll sort of kick off yeah. from there. Um, well, that's a title when you let a marketer start to design <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, we're going to add some flair to it. Oh, um, so much back- flair. Yeah. <laughs> my background is definitely in marketing and business development. And, um, you know, my current function actually takes a lot of those skills and applies them to knowledge management. So the enablement team that I oversee is actually responsible for getting people to use our systems. Um, they're responsible for the adoption, the care and feeding, because technology today, um, it's not, you know, you deploy it and you walk away from it. There's updates, there's changes. And how do you communicate that to people? Um, because, it, you know, to our point, it's a relationship. People need to trust your system. They need to understand what's going on. So you need to communicate with them. And, you know, in a firm of our size with 2,300 lawyers and 2,000 staff, that's a full-time job. <laughs> um, so that is what our enablement team does for our knowledge management technologies. And then the insights team is divided into two groups. One is the analytics, hence the insight, yep. um, of our products and tools and who's using them and how are they using them. Um, and are they using it appropriately? Um, are we getting the right value? Are the right people? What are the success stories that come out of that? Because um, again, you know, you need to tell your story of how you're helping your firm. Um, people, when they come to work, they or when our lawyers come in, they expect all of these things to work. So we need to help them understand of how well they're working and how it's helping them develop new relationships and get new business opportunities and to work more efficiently. And then the other part of my team is the topic near and dear to my heart are responsible for our data. So, you know, what is our tax taxonomy? Making sure that we're, you know, honoring the concept of one place, one home. Um, you know, so you're not putting the idea of an industry in multiple different places because then it's really hard to search and you're going to miss stuff. But, um, you know, another part of that is actually the people. Um, you know, when you think about the data, 
Uh, it's great to know that you are across the table from law firm Smith on this deal, but you want to know who at law firm Smith, because if you work with lawyer Ben, he's really easygoing and, you know, there's only going to be one or two rounds of edits. However, if you work with lawyer Rachel, she's really going to take you to town and, you know, have edits every time you send it around. So when you're trying to come up with a pricing arrangement for your client, you need to know who you're sitting across the table from and like, what is their work style? Is it going to cause more work on your end or things like that? But before, you know, you kind of get to the idea of who's across from the table, you have to know who knows who and who knows what, right. which is kind of a yeah. tricky thing. But when you think about the evolution of marketing technology or knowledge-based technology in a law firm, it's kind of been going on for a long time. Like, you know, in the 80s, if a building caught on fire, someone would run out with their Rolodex. Like, this was their lifeblood. And we figured out how to take a Rolodex and turn it into a CRM, a system, you know, that can be shared across the firm and you can track things. But like, how do you get new records in the firm? Um, you know, we were talking about LMA. Uh -huh. When you go to these conferences and when your lawyers go to these conferences, the first step is taking those people that you meet and creating them as contacts in your mail system. So whether you use Outlook or what have you, making sure that they're a contact uh -huh. <laughs> is step one in sharing who you know. Um, and then oftentimes that's where the, your lawyer's work can stop because you can use different firm technologies to bring them into different systems and via your data warehouse or integrations, bring those things in. So it's very easy for someone to say, oh, I was with, you know, I was across the table from law firm Smith and I was working with Ben versus I have to enter law firm Smith. I have to enter Ben. I have to enter these things. But... Had you created a contact for Ben, you could just look him up and attach him to a record. So that's kind yeah. of where the journey starts in it. Yeah. Okay. I was I was hoping that you'd go into LMA as kind of a good vignette to sort of access it, this. Um, so that's that's really good, and I think that's really accessible. This this concept of um, you know the data needs to get out of people's heads and people's experience and sort of into. What's now sometimes, not to go into technical jargon, data warehouses, data lakes, et cetera, et cetera. What would be kind of, you know, firms that might be starting their journey, this might be a good place to go next. Firms that might be starting their journey around one home, one source. You know, what does that concept mean and why is it so sort of important today for purposes of good enablement, good insights, good management? Yeah, what can you unpack that a little bit uh, for everybody? So the idea is that one system is the source of truth. Um, so when we look at um, our firm, we have our experience management system. And that is the source of truth for our client industry, for the client entity structure, for a description of the client. But I look to the CRM as our source of truth for who do we know and how do we know them? And then I take that information in with the help of my way more talented friends in IT. Um, so it's in my experience system, but the source of truth is our CRM. I think sometimes, you know, we want to make every system the, you know, the owner of things versus leveraging the different systems that we have at our firm. Like I would look to our accounting system 
to be the source of truth for our hours, our billing codes, our department codes. I would look to our HR system to be the source of truth for our lawyers' names, their education, um, you know, and things of that nature. Um, And so rather than trying to recreate it in one system, you have to look at all the systems that you have in your organization and decide this system's the source of truth for this, this one's the source of truth for this, and then via working in a close partnership with your friends in IT, figuring out a way to aggregate that information into one place. Because one of the challenges I think back to in BD when I was there many moons ago yeah. is that I would get a report from HR. I would get a report from practice management and I'd get a report from PeopleSoft and I'd have to try to merge them all together. And they didn't use a shared language. They didn't have unique identifiers. And it was a really hard process that now I can easily execute it. And sometimes it's not in one clean search. Maybe it takes three searches, Mm -hmm. but with those three searches, combining it together, I can get the answer in 15 minutes instead of 15 hours of merging Excel database or Excel spreadsheets. Okay, so this kind of gets us to the idea of taxonomies and unique identifiers. Um, we're still in this idea of one source and why it's important and all of this, that this sort of bracket. And I want to go next into relationship data specifically, but can you, can you just double click and go a little bit into this idea of taxonomy and unique identifiers? Yeah, like why is it important? Why again within the within within that within that context of you know we're still thinking about one source and and all the rest of it. Yeah, um, you're speaking my love language. This is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, you know there's a lot of great information out there. I have to give a plug for Sally, um, which is an organization working towards the standardization of legal taxonomies. Um, and a lot of our business partners have signed on to Sally. Right. So if you're at these conferences and you're like, I want that API and I want to integrate that data and that, um, integrations are based off the idea that you have a unique piece of data or two that's shared across systems and then they match based on those concepts. Um, now I'm confident in a, in a year or two, generative AI is going to blow up that whole concept. However, that is how our products are working today in July, June, July of 2023. <laughs> um, and having that taxonomy makes it easier to mar- match those things up. Um, when we built an integration with a third-party docketing system, we had to use the unique ID of the court number, which is unique to that, plus the judge to be able to pull in the motions and the parties and the things like that. Yep. Um, so, you know, to expedite the ability to build integrations, you do need to have a consistent taxonomy. And also along with that word, if there's a unique identifier, if there's a code next to it or a number, um, because then it makes it easier to match, uh, matching two numbers. There can only be, a number can only exist. You know, it's not like you can possibly, you can have multiple John Smiths, but there's only one, one, two, three. So John Smith, one, two, three is much easier to match up versus trying to suss through the different people. Just John, right. Yeah. Um, And then the taxonomy is important because it allows your systems to talk to each other Mm -hmm. and to provide that consistent result. When I think about the things that, the lawyers got frustrated with when I was in BD and I would get frustrated with is asking the same question and getting five different answers. Um, because you talk about things differently. 
<laughs> um, or to make it a little bit more relatable, um, driving. Sure. Driving is essentially, we, we've all agreed that this octagon is a stop sign. When we see red, it means we stop. When we see yellow, it means we yield. So there is this taxonomy that we've all agreed to when we get our driver's license that allows us to collaborate on the road and not all, you know, go in different directions. And that's the same idea with the taxonomy within your law firm. Um, like I said, Sally is a really great place to start. And then, you know, your firm, whether or not it realizes it, like you do have a taxonomy. You do have a way that you talk about things. So, you know, start looking at that and come from a place of like knowing that you're going to need to compromise. Accounting will need to compromise with marketing. Marketing will need to compromise with HR. But if everyone compromises together, to use a new word that you just taught me, you mm. can have a protopia. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you know, I even one percent better in moving towards that utopian state. Um, but everyone's got to be willing to compromise and understand the larger business problems that you're working together to solve. Yeah, totally. I um, you know, I wanted to. It, it's funny you brought well one. Yeah, I you know that I just got back from Legal Geek and somebody was giving a presentation about how during the first twenty or so years of driving there was no taxonomy and basically people were thinking were doing whatever they wanted on the road and of course it's like you know the crash and like the the human casualty rate was like through the roof and you know it's just too too sweet not to. Um, not to bring up, you know, and all of a sudden, so just to make this relatable and extend the metaphor, you know, without taxonomies, we're all, we're all kind of crashing into each other on the road effectively. And uh, some very small design interventions in the form of taxonomies can really make, allow everybody from crashing to themselves to actually driving long distances and going very, very far. So anyway, I just wanted to to give that to you. Um, That's I have something, amazing. Yes. I have something else that I just can't help myself because you brought it up. And I know that um, I'm just, it's my, it's not my love language, but it's my major, major trigger, which is uh, in a good way, you know, generative AI and the idea of how generative I might transact with all of this because, yeah. well, I'll let you wax poetically on this. You know, this is an intelligence that maybe can understand context and, pattern recognition in a deeper way than is necessary with uh, taxonomy, symbols, and, 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 and everything else. Do you want to talk a little bit about the world of generative AI as it cross-sections with, with this yeah. idea? Because um, as someone, I am super excited to see large language models coming into yes. the world of legal and allowing, because let's be honest, there is not a technology out there in the legal space right now that like you can just write a natural question and get something back. All right. Case sure. text. Um, but right, the right. Like, that's shout a out to case lead. text. <laughs> yeah. Big week. Um, yeah. I'll give them a shout out for that. But like, there's just right. not a lot of technologies that allow you to ask questions in a natural way. And by moving to this world of generative AI and large language models, we can start using more natural language, which hopefully will lead to easier change management easier adoption, um, increasing those things. But in order to make those things work, you do need to have a taxonomy. You right. do need to have definitions. You need to understand your data because you're still going to have to teach these things, the idiosyncrasies of your organization. Like if you guys call it a practice group, but someone else calls it a PAT, right. you're going to have to teach the LLM that those nuances that exist in your firm. If, you know, energy should always be referred to as 
energy infrastructure. Right. You're, you're going to have to understand your own idiosyncrasies and your definitions in order to leverage these amazing things. They're smart and they're so capable and so powerful, but just like anything else, it has to be taught the guidelines of it, right, you know, right. so you don't have the hallucinations or the fake citations right, right, or right, things right. like that. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably more selfishly because it's going to shine a light on how important taxonomy and ontology and documentation mm-hmm. is in order to get the full power of these really cool things that are coming to market. Yes, yes, totally. I take I take your point. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, large language models are very good because they can learn. That's a dog. That's a dog. That's a dog. But we humans call that a dog cat. You know, that's a cat. That's a cat. That's a cat. And it can learn. And once it can learn, it can make many different distinctions, which allow the bigger point being the easy user interfacing and the adoption effectively because of the natural language. that 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 is afforded the affordances that that has for us so okay so let's um let's leave that i think we've gone into taxonomy taxonomy (laughs) i think we've gotten into the idea of um of why it's important Uh, and then we even went into generative ai and how sort of that's going to afford the affordances that that's going to give let's go into a different let's double click maybe and just go into the idea of relationship data you got some some thoughts around the idea of relationship data you know, we, we got in here through the vignette of you and I just went to LMA. You came, we come back from LMA. I met a bunch of people, including you, for the first time. You know, you've become a contact. What else? What else do you want to talk about in the world of relationship yeah. data? So crucial, I think, in, in law firms. Well, I think the first thing I want to highlight is that relationships really, when you boil law down to how law firms grow revenue and get yeah. business, it comes down to a relationship. Uh, when I look at the AMLA top 25, our lawyers went to the same schools. They yeah. worked for the same agencies. They clerked for the same justices. Our clients are about the same. We're offering similar legal offerings. Right. The difference is the relationships within the organization. Oh, and we're charging about the same rates, too. Right. Right. <laughs> the only thing that's different is our relationship. Um, And that's why it's so important, particularly in this day and age, um, to really leverage those personal connections. And so I'm incredibly passionate about um, relationship data, not just the idea of like, when did you meet with them or, you know, when did you last take them out to lunch or something like that? But, you know, trying to leverage who knows who and, you know, people are notorious about not reporting enough information. So there's a a relationship product that we use. We take our information, going back to the idea of, dear, if you do one thing for relationship data, create a contact, put their first name, their last name, their law firm or their organization, their email. And other than that, the rest is just gravy. The rest is stuff that you can probably find or buy. Um, (laughs) So you take that information And it gets picked up through various technologies and it moves into your CRM and you can have integrations with other products. So there are third party products out there that you can take your CRM information and in a secure group, push your CRM information against third party researched information. And all of a sudden I can see that like, oh, you guys were actually on the same public board together 
But yeah. you, neither one of you have ever said that. Or um, you guys both were at law school around the same time. So there's a chance that you guys might know each other. Things that, yes, you can look it up and you can do the sheets. Or <laughs> um, by the idea of having that information, you know, an email and a name, for the most part, is a unique identifier. Yep. Um, and you can push it up against research. And start to see those relationships and things that people don't tell you. Um, I would caution you when you're reporting that back. I would say words like, it appears that. Mm. <laughs> um, they may have a relationship. For all we know, they are arch enemies. Or they were, you know, best friends and shared a dorm room together. Um, I've seen right. both cases play out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, they may know each other. So what you're saying is you know each other. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, our research indicates that they may know one another. I got you. Um, yes, you know, right. and using those things. I mean, you've got LinkedIn Navigator. I'm a yep. little less bullish on LinkedIn since it's self-reported. Yep. And, um, you know, like, I'm connected to my dentist. Uh, it doesn't mean that, like, I could, like, share a relationship with a dentist. I mean... They're my dentist yes, um, versus, you know, third party verifiable sources. And there's a lot of great products out there um, that you can look to having that relationship with and pushing it against. Yeah. Also, back to the idea of having it as a contact allows you to bring it into your experience system. Um, so instead of having to look up the closing binder to see who was across the table, you could enter that information as a part of your profiling process. And then you can say, show me all the times that I've been across the table from Ben at law firm Smith or, you know, judges, huge, important thing in litigation. Clients always want to know, have you been in front of these judges? Um, yes, you can look up that information through a variety of different docketing products, um, and see that, but bring it into you and bring it into your organization. And then you can also set it up to see who's clerk for that guy. Who's appeared before them. What are our results before them? You know, who was the team that was in front of them that got the favorable results and starting to pull that in um, to really create the most compelling opportunities for relationships. Yes. Okay. I, um, yeah, I track all of that. Oof. If, if you guys, if you're listening to this, go back and listen to that. That was a beautiful soliloquy of just the entire life cycle of where you're sort of what, what I would call relationship intelligence, right? The corpus of sort of how you are connected and what is the, what is the caliber of your, uh, of the, your relationship on a one-to-one basis. And I think we probably don't have time to go into this, but, you know, that all, just, just to make the point obvious, that all can aggregate at a company level, right? At a firm mm-hmm. to company level as well. And when we're talking about something like Sidley with 2,000 people, 2,500 lawyers, 2,000 sort of staff, that's a lot of relationships. That's a big network graph of connections. And it's impossible. No, no single person at Sidley even knows 20% of the relationships that are out there. And then, and then just to make the, the obvious point, listeners, I'm sure you're thinking about this. Think about it. That goes back. That could go back 20, 30, 40 years, right? And so you think about now the relationship graph that is between people. It's like exponential, basically, the number of relationships between people at any point in time. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a cool visual to sort of hold in your head. But yeah, to, to just extend your your that vignette that you just walked us through. Yeah, and to your point, like how deep it can go in terms of complexity and length of time. Um, I think that we always need to approach it with the caveat of 
as to the best of our knowledge, this is what's available. Right. Um, because again, back to the first thing I said, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's the fourth, fourth or fifth time I'm saying this, it comes back to creating that contact. Yes. If no one ever says, if no one ever creates a contact for, you know, Gene at law firm beta, but they're actually their best friend and they email with them and do all these things. How are we going to know in our CRM that, you know, we should even pay attention to this. How will we be able to use third party sources? And, you know, I know that like someone listening is probably like, well, you could do analysis on your email and the email traffic and the sentiment analysis. Yeah, and if right. so, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Cause I'm really fascinated this, about this idea of sentiment analysis on emails sure, sure. Um, and integrating it into like, other data points, um, but that I think is a different podcast for us to talk Oof, about. What a different podcast! Things. Yes, now, now we're getting now we're getting into uh, into into yummy yummy Big Brother land and all the rest of it. But anyway, well, exactly. we can talk. We can we can think about that in other events. You know, <laughs> we can hold both ideas in our head. Very fascinating. Very creepy. Creepy. Fascinating. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we can hold oh, both ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like that's one of the things um, that makes relationship data a little challenging for people to kind of come along with it because it is their relationship. Sure. There's fair sensitivity and lots of emotions wrapped up in that. Um, and it is a little big brothery to Mm -hmm. do this. So it's really important that we're very good stewards of this information and we protect it and we protect it. I'm trying to think of the right word. But very proactively, you know, you have to make sure that you don't have interns that like see some, you know, it's very well known that the Obamas worked at Sidley. That's right. Um, You know, so we have to tell like interns, like if you see this in the CRM, you cannot take a picture of it. (laughs) You know, Um, you, you know, your privilege information, your, this is not your relationship. These are the firm's relationships that are being shared with us. Like, so we have to be very good stewards of how that information is treated. And, you know, back to kind of talking about that idea of communicating and telling people Mm -hmm. what we're doing with it and the value of them sharing, how they're sharing and creating the contact has helped these activities and has helped connect these things. Um, You know, to the example where I was talking about, you know, sending an email being like, it appears that so-and-so has a relationship with this person. I'm not going to give you this person's contact information. I'm not going to pull that stuff out of the CRM. I'm going to say, talk to this partner. Right. About the potential relationship with this person and, you know, help facilitate that part. Yes. Okay. You know, that, that gets into the last sort of venue or, you know, dynamic that I want, that I want to talk about, you know, and this is the idea of collaboration around relationship intelligence and relationship insights. You know, we, we dipped our toes in kind of like the deep the deep part of the pool, which is this is very sensitive stuff. So we need to be really mindful, very intentional, put up some guardrails. Everybody needs to be on board. It's powerful and it's also sensitive, you know, because m- most of the time the most powerful things are, right? Basically, they're very yeah. dangerous and also very sensitive, but also very, very impactful. So we, we have to be, you know, for lack of a better word, mature and have and have mature conversations about this. Let's, that's part of, that's, that's the deep end of the pool. Maybe we can talk just about this more shallow end of the pool, which is, you know, 
relationship data and just play this out for us. You know, relationship data can really be used by a handful of people within the organization. You have marketing people, you have business development people, you do have the knowledge management team that is across it for purposes of um, a lot a, a lot of different sort of scenarios. You know, you have financials, et cetera. It's sort of, it's sort of a crux. Uh, it can be, of course, used by the lawyers in a variety of different capacities. In that, in that, do you want to say anything about sort of just collaboration around, you know, just, I don't even know what the question is. Yeah. It's just, it's just, but you get, you get my drift. Yeah, no, I, I think we were talking about this earlier, how important it is to collaborate and, you know, set those shared business goals of why you're collaborating and what you're going to do with it and what the value is um, and build those relationships early and often. Like we're talking about relationship development in terms of, you know, revenue generation and sure. growing the firm. But taking a step back, this is about internal relationships, too. Um, you know, it is important to talk with people and be out there on the floor and listen to people when they have these fears and concerns. Um yeah. I think sometimes when we look at technology, we want to turn it all into ones and zeros or a very black and white um, thing, but we're asking people to change the way that they've done things, and we're asking people to share things with them that can have, share things with us that can have such a wonderful, positive impact, but it's a little scary because it's different. Um, you know, as an elder millennial, I'm like, whatever, of course you share these things, um, but you know... My Gen X, her husband, is like, I don't know how I feel about sharing this. Uh, and so it's acknowledging the generational differences and the different experiences that people have had with this and bringing it along. Uh, bringing people along. Who knows? Maybe there's a Gen Zer who their whole life was upended because someone stole their parents' identity and, like, upended their whole life. So they're like, oh, my God, I'm not going to share anything. Um, so before we even get to the relationship data, you do have to have a relationship with people to ask them for this. You can't just like mindlessly be like, I'm going to access all of your information because it's big brothery and it's creepy. Um, you know, and having those conversations and explaining the value and then coming back and, you know, telling people, thank you, telling people how their sharing has benefited the larger group. Um, you know, thank you is a very powerful word that it's very easy to forget in a professional setting. Mm. Wow. I want to ask another question, but part of me wants to just let it right there. That was such a good, nice little capstone on everything. <laughs> that was so well said. Oh, like incredibly empathetic and like very big picture. I mean, yeah, it felt it felt 100% right. You know, I think we want to just leave it there. You know, we're, we're sort of 30 minutes in. I kind of, we've sort of taken this journey all the way from you know, taxonomy and, uh, and the importance of sort of one source and all of this all the way to like a nice little cap point, which is at the end of the day, you know, you still need to treat people like, like people whenever it comes to their personal data. And of course, this is a bigger philosophical question about what's going on with our own personal data in the world of basically generative, generative AI and intelligent systems and all the rest of it. But my God, like what, you know, it really, you can see such big questions being reflected in something as small as, you know, the individual, the individual conversations that are happening between a handful of stakeholders, you know, within, within one company in the United States somewhere, la, 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 you know, it's like, it's, it's so, it's so interesting how such a big topic can be micro, micro sized down to, down to one thing. So I don't know. Do you have any final sort of wrap ups? Yeah. What, what do you think like are the big sort of takeaways of the conversation um, today? I think you said it perfectly. Like at the end, this really does boil down to people. 
Uh, yeah, we can use technology. We need all these things, but it it's a people business and it's about relationships. Um, you know, the interpersonal ones within our organizations. And then that kind of, to your idea, spreads out. Like, <laughs> um, you can zoom in or zoom out, but there's still people behind it um, at whatever level you're zooming in or out of. Totally, totally. Oh, well done. Yes. Rachel, thank you so much for sitting down. I really enjoyed this conversation. I, um, you know, it's always really fun to talk to you. We can go all the way from LMA, LMA community to sort of data taxonomy and everything in between. And yeah, you're just, <laughs> you're just an awesome person to sit down and talk with. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Yes, that's right. Uh, for everybody, we're recording this before the 4th of July, so be safe during your 4th of July. Have fun. I know Rachel and I are both going to spend time with family, and so that'll be uh, both, both, both safe or not. Relationships are everything, right? We're just <laughs> relational beings, relationships all around. Yeah, exactly. Right? So Ask me how I feel about my relationships on Wednesday. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> totally. I'm there with you, right? Um, yes. Uh, I have a double whammy of my in-laws and my parents coming around, so this is going to be beautiful. Ask me about Wednesday, but uh, this was another this legal life all around relationships that's central kernel of what makes the legal world go round. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to Rachel Shields Williams for being on. Bye, everyone. Bye.